Today's episode will be mine and Ryan's 30th episode. And within that time frame, we've reviewed some really great movies, some middling good movies, and some okay ones. There have been two movies preceding today's that were, uh, for lack of a better term, some of the worst we've ever seen. First, we had They Came Together, which I didn't think could be beat until we watched Valentine's Day, which I didn't think could be beat again because it was such a tire fire that nothing could beat it. But then we watched Maid of Honor, and all of a sudden, going back to They Came Together, a movie that I had previously ragged on, and I stand by most of the things that both Ryan and I said about that film, it really starts to make a lot of sense. When you dig into what makes this genre great, it really comes down to how it makes you feel. There is romance and the belief in the optimism of love coming true. There's there's something that can dig straight into your heart and just make you feel good and hopeful about your life and the world. And really that 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 needs to tap into your feelings, but Alongside those feelings, there needs to be some logic, something that just tells you, yes, not only is this real, but it also can perhaps make some sort of logical sense so that my brain can take my emotions and say, oh, no, 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 there's a possibility to this. But 2008's Maid of Honor, starring Patrick Dempsey, Michelle Monaghan, Kevin McKidd, and a a slew of other actors that probably wish the world could forget that this movie ever came out, breaks down any form of logic because the central question that this genre begs is, can and should these two people fall in love with each other? And when the answer is such a resounding no, you, you wonder what you spent all of this time doing. Not in life, just this this hour and a half that you've spent watching two people that a movie says should fall in love, and, and you turn back and you look at the movie and everything that's happened in it, and you say, wait, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. There's no sense here to go along with my emotions. It, it, it makes you question whether Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler were right. And hey, I'm not giving up hope now, and it was really fun reviewing this movie, but oh boy, if you haven't watched it yet, just hold on to your butts. Today, Ryan and I go to Scotland and review Maid of Honor. This is something basic, and I totally think I veered off into something boring. I'm crazy about you. I think about you all the time, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Really? Really. That's so generic. Generic? Yeah. Generic? It totally is. How can that be generic? It sounds like something somebody's supposed to say as opposed to what you're really feeling. All right, how about, uh... Nobody in the world makes me laugh the way you do. My best friend. 
I just want to be with you. Welcome to your doom! One of the worst rom-coms of all time, in my opinion. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you agree in certain senses, Mr. Scottish Man, that uh, you're looking at one of the worst representations of your country? I actually thought that we were doing pretty good in that movie. What about the Highland Games? You didn't think we were ridiculing your people? Nah, it was just tradition. Okay. Well, what about your castles and your more... Ah, you're right. The Scottish people are pretty beautiful. Hi. Thank you. Do you feel like you're in a uh, Charlotte Bronte novel? I do. Is that a fair thing to ask? Is she even Scottish? You saw me riding the horse! Yeah, you were good. You were looking good. I saved that wee last from the cow storm. Can I say, Sarah, that you're a lot more attractive than Patrick Dempsey? Yes, you may. Alright, you are a lot more attractive than Patrick Dempsey. I know, and I can dunk. Uh, you can dunk, and you got a huge dong. We prefer calling it Johnson. So, Mr. Johnson, would you say that uh, this movie was unfair to your character? No, I, I think it painted my, me and my family in a pretty good light. Uh, overall, I think it really showed the inadequacy and selfish behavior of a piss-poor American uh, in in the, I I think that's where I, I'm out of this interview's over wait Mr. Johnson I can't do this accent anymore Mr. Johnson no I said good day sir Mr. Johnson well, I didn't, please but I'm going to. Mr. Johnson well everyone that was Mr. Johnson from Maid of Honor Whoa, uh, what was he was he okay? Yeah. I thought we were going to interview him I, for I don't know show. what happened. He he, right. he left. Anyways, here's my hey guys, co-host. Uh, it's Kelly. Kelly McCrillis. Uh, with Romcom Gents. As is always my co-host, Ryan. And we were going to have... Yeah, um, we had... Lord... Lord Johnson. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. Is that he, what we're calling him? Lord Johnson? Yeah, I thought Lord, he was a Mick something. No, he was there. definitely a Lord Johnson. Okay. At least the way that they were portraying him was a Lord Johnson. He was a Lord Johnson. So, oh, because of the because of the D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, he he kind of skadoodled. Um, but yeah, he he looked well. He looked mad, but not at us. He looked mad at having probably wasted his his whole time time and his parents' time and, his and life his castle's time. Yeah, pretty pretty low yeah so um what well what movie were we going to talk about this week uh this week it's uh maid of honor yes that's right um the the trash fire on top of a tire fire on top of a haggis fire on top of patrick dempsey's shoulders that mm-hmm. is maid of honor have you ever had a haggis yeah i have i've had two kinds of haggis both were both both <laughs> One was fine, and I could eat a small amount, and I did, and I felt accomplished. The other was my second haggis, and I thought, why am I doing this again? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's worse with this movie, um, whether it's, you know, the bashing on the haggis. I don't know if it's the bashing on Lord Johnson. He seemed like a decent fellow. Uh, the poor Scottish, they either have Lord Johnson representing them or Mel Gibson. So I think what, it's, it's what, what, great. what we're seeing here is that the rich... If you're rich and you're Scottish, it's really hard to make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because 
this movie um, takes some shots at the Scottish and it expects us to f- to to laugh right alongside them. But there's I don't know what it's doing. The movie's like, no, no, we're laughing with you. <laughs> laughing with you. See, we're saying they have big dicks. And Gaelic sounds funny, right? Uh, it's actually Scots. <laughs> well, I thought it's Gaelic. Gaelic um, is across the pond. Damn, in Ireland. Well, I mean, they're they're very they're. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get letters from all of our <laughs> Scottish listeners. We only have one, but um, correct me if I'm wrong. But they're similar languages. Just um, Gaelic is a is Irish, and um, it is more widely spoken. Whereas Scots is more of a dead language that is only used in very specific circumstances. I feel like Leonard Oakland would be like, guys, guys, guys. guys I feel like guys. Keith Beebe as well would be like, uh, mm-hmm. I talked about this in a lecture. Why don't you know? Sorry, we're both English majors from those Woodworth, are our professors, and uh, they expect better of us. Um, fuck this. <laughs> so the Scottish are not the most like dunked on people in this movie who are uh, the scottish they're not the most dunked on people no no i'm i'm saying who is who is us the audience is the most dunked on people us and anybody who can't fit into the dress would <laughs> god it's just uh it's there's bot there's body shaming there's culture shaming there's um well i guess it's not culture shaming it's just no, it's... it's just making fun of a whole ethnic group <laughs> <laughs> well and and here's the thing i i think that can be fun and i don't honestly all the stuff in scotland and about like the scots was i felt the best part of this movie so i'm not going to dunk on that super hard mm-hmm. but i just okay this movie made of honor is Ryan, let's just jump right into the story because I I think we can't we can't hold our emotions back. So let's at least give people context about what we're going to destroy. Okay. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean? That's the end. That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen. That's the end of that saga. The end. So, Maid of Honor took what the writers did is they took the script of When Harry Met Sally. They threw it out about half of it, and they took the other half and they rewrote it to make it so that Harry is played by a douchebag instead mm-hmm. of someone like Billy Crystal. Right, right. Where Billy Crystal has kind of a um, antagonistic, a little bit asshole, but really witty and smart and altogether kind even if he is infuriating personality. Right. Whereas this Patrick Dempsey is an admitted douchebag and womanizer. And then... I don't think it's admitted. Well, but I think he's an admitted Im- womanizer. I think it's implied. I know all about you. I know your whole rap. You do? Yeah. You're a senior. Uh-huh. Who preys on freshmen. You slept with half my floor. Well, half your floor was female. Whatever. It, and and the way we know he's a good guy isn't through like seeing it in his interactions with our main character or really just like seeing like something genuine he's bringing to the role. It's that he likes dogs because he pets two dogs in the movie and he pushes a couple of old people's boat into the water, which it really seemed like they were trying to get out of the water. So in my head canon, he's just like, no, 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 no. 
I'm I'm pushing you guys out in the water. Don't come up on land. Get get out of here. So it's it is interesting that the movie used this this characteristic of your protagonist likes dogs because what's fascinating is that was invented for silent movies in the 1910s because that's the only way you could actually communicate about things was pantomiming and you needed to show your good guy liking the dog and the bad guy twiddling his mustache and hurting the dog. Was I mean this sounds like a bad snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> they usually were in 1916. <laughs> So, so Ryan, tell me more about this. Um, oh, okay. wait, no, 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 we, no. We we have we have this trope, right, that has lasted from apparently the 1910s mm-hmm. all the way to today. Pet the dog, you're a good guy. Uh huh. Kill and the dog, you're the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the you're the Jack Black punting somebody off of a, <laughs> a bridge. That's how I roll. Back. Huh? No! I, f- I feel like that works in a movie like, let's say, You've Got Mail, where Tom Hanks has Brinkley, which is the most prototypical, uh, platonic, happy golden retriever. And he loves his dog and he treats him well, right? The relationship between Tom Hanks and Brinkley is so much more beautiful and nuanced than anything five feet close to this movie. Brinkley! Right. And it's because we we're shown a relationship that this man has with his dog. And then we're like, oh, if you're that nice to your dog, you're presumably going to be kind of nice to people. Like, it, 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 there's something psychological there mm-hmm. that we can attach to. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it feels like the milk completely soured when we got to this movie. What are your thoughts on his interactions with dogs? <laughs> I think I made it clear. Just because you pet a dog doesn't make you a protagonist, but I digress. Right, because he basically walks up to a dog and he's like, oh, you're a good puppy. <laughs> and he scratches his face. And then and it's then, over. And then it's over and he Why goes. Give him a dog. Let him have a dog. Let him have a relationship with the dog. Okay. Or, I mean, this is, it's not, <laughs> he's taken save the cat and he's turned it into pet the cat. Yeah. So save the cat. You'll hear save the cat as a term thrown around that screenwriters use is that it's a basic thing of if you're writing a movie and your character needs to see more of a good guy, they need to have an event where they quote unquote save the cat, where they're the hero. It doesn't make them more real. It just allows us to basically empathetically connect to them because they're like, oh, I, I see you do this good selfless thing. You must have that in you. Thus, yeah. then you can write your character however you want, and the audience will like hold on to that like a lifeline. It's basically. why if you watch an action movie, it usually starts with a big action opener where they're doing something awesome because we're saying this main character does this and this is what he's good at. It's like in The Rock when... So you got Nick Cage, and he destroys most of... San Francisco in this this car chase at the beginning, but he saves one car. And then you're like, oh, Nick Cage, you have a heart. Hey, man. I just fucked up your Ferrari. No, no, it's not mine. Isn't that gone with 60 seconds? No, it's The Rock. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it probably happens in both. Yeah. Welcome to The Rock. Welcome to The Rock. Godspeed, good speed. So, okay, this movie. Uh, the setup is Patrick Dempsey in college. Now, wait, hold on. Now I'm just imagining Sean Connery in this movie, and he's just like, Money Penny, get me my gun. I'm, I'm going to kill Patrick Dempsey and get him away from my. Oh, maybe. That. 
are we already rewriting the movie? Yes. We don't even describe what it is, but we're going to Okay, go ahead, it. go ahead. So Patrick Dempsey uh, meets uh, Michelle Monaghan. Uh-huh. In college. In college. And this is the best. I think this is the other best part of the movie. Their meet cute is he's going to a... He's dressed as Bill Clinton, and he's looking for somebody who's dressed up as Monica. His girlfriend. Mm. And so his the girl he's going to sleep with. Yeah. And he goes to her dorm room where he's told that she'll be waiting for him at this dorm room. <laughs> so he enters the dorm room, and he sees a woman in the bed and presumes, hey, that's the girl I'm going to sleep with. He crawls into bed, and oops, what do you know? It's not his lady. <laughs> it's Again, Michelle Monaghan. It's Michelle Monaghan. She's really pissed, and then they proceed to have a conversation about like what a douchebag he is yeah and my first question is okay the roommate said gave him some kind of directions of come to my dorm room there we will bang mm-hmm. what were you going to do with your roommate was she just going to be a spectator and be totally cool with it no, like no, no, she's no, completely she was supposed to... unexpected yeah yeah she was supposed to be in the library this is this is your classic oh, did i miss that line yeah yeah, yeah. uh he's like she said you were gonna be in the library oh okay okay but i missed it this That's is a classic fault. this is still a classic bad roommate thing any of you college kids listening to this or anybody who has a situation where there might be a sock on the door needed a have something set up for this or b be honest about your sex life with your roommate because nobody wants to walk in on that yeah a little warning of by the way me and this guy are gonna bang tonight so if you're coming home for the library be aware doesn't sound like they had a great relationship anyway nah yeah uh so that's their meet cute he accidentally gets into bed with her so a great way to start a friendship well, I mean, I honestly, I don't see anything wrong with starting a movie off this way, though. It's a it's a funny, dumb meet cute. Yeah. And they end up being friends, right? Yeah. So far, I'm on board with this movie. So after he slips into bed with her, they have a conversation which ends in hit ends with him hitting on her. And then she probably gives him wit as a barbed Truth. honesty and a yeah. way to shut it down. Mm-hmm. And then we're to presume he does not pursue her and they become best friends. Well, yeah, because he becomes fascinated with her because she tells him the truth, right? And so he follows her and he's like, this is amazing. This is everything I'm looking for. And presumably we catch up with them 11 years later or something yeah, like that. Yeah, cut to 10 years later. They're best friends and he still sleeps around. Uh-huh. Uh, we meet his conquest of the week, uh, yeah. which is played by the woman who plays <laughs> Madeline Gergich. Madison yeah, uh, yeah Jerry Jerry's, Gergich. Jerry's oldest daughter. From Parks and Rec. Uh-huh. She could uh, do a lot better with Rob Lowe. Yeah. Hey, Chris, uh, I would like you to meet my daughter, Millicent. Wow. Sherry, <laughs> great job. <laughs> I'm your dad's boss and his much younger friend. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is like, oof, just wait until you get to Rob Lowe. Things yeah. will get better. It'll get a little better. You, you hang in there, honey. And so he tells her, uh, he tells Mrs. Gergich, or Miss Gergich, I should say. <laughs> Miss. Uh, that he has a rule, and it's... <laughs> what was the rule once it's, a week no back-to-backs no back-to-backs so he can't see her that night because that's his rule and then she's like do you want to do a back-to-back like she makes a sexual innuendo it's like oh we did a back-to-back last night and it's like i don't think i don't your your sexual innuendo double entendre game is not on writers <laughs> because a back-to-back is if if I mean if they both had chicken pox, if they're very flexible, and they had to scratch each other's backs, yes, maybe there's it worked for Phoebe Buffet. There it worked for Phoebe Buffet. 
<laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Insert friends clip here. <laughs> so uh, that's our introduction to him is uh-huh. that the he's first still at it. Basically. Yeah, the first time we meet him, he's slipping into bed to sleep with someone. He's still hitting that. <laughs> the second time we meet him, he's telling a woman, no, 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 I don't want a relationship with you. I just want to sleep with you. Wait, which one is this? Miss Gergich. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he goes and meets with Michelle Monaghan again. And they have a great friend date. Yeah. Right? And but so he is capable of having a human relationship. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or does he see her and then, like... When does he see his dad? Well, uh, later. Okay. Because remember, he has to convince her to become the date to his dad's sixth wedding. Right. And like, she doesn't want to because she's already been his date to so many weddings. Basically, what we have here is a couple that is fulfilling each other's couple needs, just non-sexually. Yeah. It's a platonic relationship. They're best friends. um, and But they're doing coupley things right together. and so we can firmly say that this guy is in the friend zone with her but he seems to be happy with it well, because she's in the friend zone with him they're both in the friend zone right but i i would say that like she hasn't friend zoned him as as we can see of the two of them she's the one who's actually immediately more attracted to him currently yeah yeah so we see that they have this really close relationship and that's nice yeah i'm into that i would like that movie if the writing was any better but so basically we're in the when harry met sally like timeline we're skipping Mm -hmm. like an hour into the movie sure Mm -hmm. where Where they've decided we can be friends yeah and there's apparently after all these years has not been sexual tension between them or if it has it has been ignored right which that's fine you can have that i it's just i don't i don't believe it based on how she reacts to him yeah and i don't buy it the way his um hormones seem to function he seems to be I don't know. He he seems to be... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Horny all the time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, horny. Okay. Yeah. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? Do I make you randy? So he wants to take her as his date to her his dad's sixth... Seventh? Mm-hmm. Seventh wedding. And his dad's basically just an extension of him. Yeah. He's played so by S- Sidney Pollock. Sydney Pollock. So Sidney Pollack, everybody, is a legend. Uh-huh. Uh, he's directed numerous films, acted in numerous films. One of the best films that he's ever directed is Tootsie, uh, one of the best comedies of all time. Uh, he's acted in Woody Allen movies. He's fantastic. He's he's a great actor. In this movie, his acting is good, but his part is horrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't even want to, like, most of his dialogue isn't necessarily worth talking about. He's just... They, they portray him as somebody who's like the, like he's saying it's okay to be sensitive and fall in love with somebody. He tries to give his kid this lesson at one point in time in the movie, but he does it in a very, like, he does it in a, a very believable way for somebody of his generation, but in a way that, like, I was okay not seeing on screen. Yeah. Yeah. So what Kelly's referring to is, uh, well, can, do you want me to say it? We could just drop it, I guess in there okay well this is the scene we're gonna play some of it for you i love something set it free set by a pussy and used by pussies ever since casablanca bogey puts her on the plane pussy bogey's a pussy big pussy 
yeah, we're not a fan of this kind of dialogue. We just don't like it. <laughs> I mean, and it would even, it would be maybe more excusable for me if it was surrounded by a better movie and this moment was earned somehow where like a character is so different because they're from, a, they have a different parlance and a different way of talking, but they're basically just two sides of the same coin at and this point. we're in a studio rom-com. We're in a glossy rom-com. Yeah. This is the realm of 13 going on 30 style this is not she's got to have it realm like was this rated r um maybe it's it's weird that it's not this film is pg-13 yeah which you know like i mean ryan and i aren't prudes it's just that like not believing with the message also having it be crass and then basically here like we're skipping all over the place now but at one point his dad is like you know, I missed out on having your mom and now I'm living this lascivious lifestyle where I'm just going relationship to relationship. And he says, like, you know, if you're sensitive, you're basically a, in his word, a pussy. And he just completely, like, doubles down on this over and over and over again. But then he comes down on the side of saying, you know what, but being sensitive is a good thing. And it's, it's just like, the, I don't know, the writing is so all over the place messy. But let's go back in time so in this story. we go to the wedding, and the intro to the wedding, and this is the gag for the wedding, is that the bride is <laughs> like 30, and um, she's on her way to the church, and she's on the phone, and she's actually still negotiating their prenup. I used to be that pretty once. Dennis, look how pretty my boy is. Yeah, he's beautiful. They won't accept a minimum of five times a week. She promised five, I want five. What did she promise you five times a week? Uh, Four times? Two. Two. No, 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 we're not done yet. We're not done yet. So agree to three with a bi-monthly BJ. Oh, this is disturbing. Which is all negotiated around sex and money. Right. And so already, (laughs) it's making this joke out of like, oh, look at this old guy getting his seventh bride or seventh marriage. This is... Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Sidney Pollack going... International. <laughs> so, and it, the joke is, haha, like people treat weddings as businesses and it's it's a legal transaction and ha 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 ha. And yeah. It's like, I mean, there was so much more room here, don't you think, to like have Patrick Dempsey not like what his dad's doing? Because he doesn't in the movie. He's just like, ugh, another like stepmom for me, basically. Okay. This joke works in A Night of the Roxbury. Okay. <laughs> have you seen an Eye of the Rock? I haven't. You haven't? No. It's pretty fun. Okay. It's like a, it's a shitty Saturday, Saturday Night Live movie. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen most of the scenes in it. Okay. Like just by proxy of yeah. so the it's not, it's not a great movie, but it's a good movie for when you need it. Okay. At the end of the movie, the, the, the Bellamy's of the film, the characters that aren't our main characters, they decide to get married. And they quickly negotiate what their marriage is. And it's basically they're talking. He the guy is like a bodybuilder. And he's like, my plan is to have like a bodybuilding uh, business with like supplements and like all that. And she's like, OK, cool. This is how I'm going to like be a part of that business. And they're like, cool, I think we should be married then. And they, and they do. And so like their their like proposal was basically this business agreement. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. OK, um, here it's just kind of gross. Well, yeah. And it's. I don't I don't necessarily know what it's making fun of because it's like it's making fun of relationships that are basically contractual um it, like but where the I 
I gotta think that most of those relationships, though, are more delusional than they are legitimately contractual. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know, it just sent, it felt weak. But I felt like there was opportunity there for Patrick Dempsey to kind of see his future and not want that. But it just goes right over his head. Yeah, saying this movie is saying Patrick Dempsey fears marriage because he sees it as a transaction and it's a business relationship and it's not a relationship relationship. Sure. And that would make him different. If I had to be dad. really fair, that is what the movie's doing. It is. It, but I'm just saying it could have done it better. But that's here. not really portrayed. That's just there as evidence that we, the archaeologists, are digging <laughs> through. And we're like, I <laughs> we're guess. We're brushing off the bones. We're like, ooh, oh, there's a bit of nuance here. Do you see this? It's a dinosaur. They were birds once. <laughs> 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 we also meet his brother played by chris messina this is his brother right Did we i think that's his brother who the guy who was negotiating for his dad this is lawyer oh he's friends with his dad's lawyer no, i thought they were brothers he's not friends with his dad's lawyer but chris messina goes to all the bachelor stuff oh is he a basketball guy yeah okay <laughs> Sorry, this movie confused both of us, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I think that's his brother. Anyway, he's there and... At Wait, the if it was his brother, why wasn't he at the wedding? Maybe it's not his brother. <laughs> I don't think it was. The important thing here is that Michelle Monaghan comes to the wedding. She dances with Patrick Dempsey at the, um, at the reception. And when they're dancing, she has that moment that happens in a lot of rom-coms where two friends are dancing with each other. And then they realize that there are feelings well, there. Well, she realizes She that. realizes He doesn't. It. What causes this? No one knows. It's just Patrick Dempsey has a nice chest, apparently. And for some reason, after 10 years, this is the first time that she's feeling some kind of warm, bubbly feeling towards him. This has to be the first time that they ever were touching each other chest to chest. Okay. And and the the weirdest thing about this, like, I mean, that's... That, this relationship is ridiculous in this movie. It's a poor, It's a poor example of two people falling in love. It doesn't make sense. But at the wedding, there's this bit of comedy. And it's with, like, God. his dad's personal assistant or something. Or, it's my dad's patient coordinator. She has a blog about how sexy Patrick Dempsey is. And he's basic... I feel like... When was this movie made? 2008. I feel like 2008 was the year of saying stalker. Like, as a pejorative, it's like, oh, yeah, she's my stalker because she likes me. Yeah. But this person's actually, like, made a blog devoted to how hot he is. And it's like, he's not famous. He's not somebody that's, like, he just is rich because he invented... Oh, yeah, that's right, the other thing. He's he's really rich because he invented the Starbucks coffee mug sleeve. Which, I'm going to be skeptical... If someone patented that, good for him or her. Yeah. I mean, good job on you. Maybe Patrick Dempsey did do that, and that's how he got the part in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he does own, I think he owns a steak in Seattle's Best Coffee. Well, that's different than Starbucks. It is. So, like, but is maybe that a that's where he got the idea. Here? No, maybe that's where he got the idea, where he, he bought a steak, and they're like, oh, well, let's introduce you to the team. And this is, uh, this is our friend um, uh, Larry. Who invented the coffee sleeve? And he's like, someone actually invented the coffee sleeve? It's like, yeah, we've had Larry on retainer for this whole time. He's like, wow, that is cool. I'm going to put that in a movie someday. Your fan fiction is more interesting than this movie, yeah. for the most part. So, 
Patrick Dempsey doesn't work. He's really rich, and he's rich solely because he figured out that if you put cardboard around a hot coffee cup, it won't burn you. He sold that idea and apparently is like a multimillionaire because he's living the high life in New York City. He gets 10 cents for every one that they use, which is ridiculous. Like those things don't cost 10 cents for the company. Yeah. But... Um, so this this girl is stalking him and has a blog about him. You're right. He's not a he's not a musician. He's not a movie star. He is some guy. He's just Patrick, who's, who's rich, who's feasibly hot. So if I think really hard about it, and that would take like ten seconds, I would say this woman's suffering for something. Like yeah. there is something like going on with her, and this movie's like ha ha. But as ha, and as soon as soon as as soon as she sees Michelle Monaghan and like as she Michelle Mon- Monaghan pretends to be Patrick Dempsey's like girlfriend, and they play this gag, she's like I'm changing my blog, and it's like she hates him now, and then she leaves, and she's not in the story anymore. And it's like what was the point of this? Yeah, I like it was about this point in time. Ryan's wife Sarah like was warned us about this she's seen this movie more than us and i was like you know what? i'm gonna give this movie a fair chance it was about at this moment that i stopped like it had no more chances left it ruined it and this was 25 minutes in yeah i also want to let everyone know that uh at this part when the reception was going after we saw the bride walk down the aisle the song that was going on is gold digger oh Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) So in case you weren't understanding what was happening in the movie, this woman is a gold digger. Does that affect the main plot? No. Do we need to have it in here? No. No. And and You've Got Mail does this way better because Tom Hanks' dad in that movie is also kind of a merry and... But he seems to at least like, you know, like the people that he's dating right yeah and then he gets divorced and goes and lives on his yacht but at least that's interesting in this movie they just talk about it yeah and in this movie it's like they're negotiating the prenup and it's like do you are you guys that silly do you (laughs) not understand that this is over before it's begun like i just feel like an eight-year-old could be watching this like well why are they going through with it then right i mean (laughs) i mean it's it's your basic like in terms of Sidney pollock it's like okay you're marrying her. Maybe you'll get to consummate the marriage, but she's just going to divorce you and take whatever you guys decided that she was allowed to take. And maybe you're that rich where it's not that big of a deal. But then is that saying that the only way you can sleep with women is by marrying them? No, he can buy them <laughs> on a much more regular basis. Ooh! Like, I feel like it just, I'd much rather watch a movie though about Sidney Pollock like being the person Sidney Pollock is than Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Because it's gross, but... If it's rated R and directed by David Fincher... There's room for character development there. Sure, I sure hope so. He needs help. (laughs) So that's it he's got uh, he's got two scenes Sidney pollock is in the wedding sequence and then we have him in a conversation with he dances to gold digger which is fun yeah but that's it and you ask why is this character in this movie it's because we need to have someone for our main character to talk to because we haven't figured out how else to exemplify or portray what our main character okay so so this movie has a lot of tropes right and um the other people that he has to talk to are his basketball bros, which like this. Okay. This is like, we did not like, um, what was the, 
the movie that made fun of, they come they together came, yeah they came together we didn't like that movie i still don't like that movie but, but that scene does nail it look this this movie is the like this is one of the probably major reasons that they came together got made because it's so bad and it just it has these weird tropes and it executes them poorly where Patrick Dempsey has a bunch of dudes that he like plays basketball with and they meet once a week and they shoot hoops. But the dialogue is bad. The acting is bad. They're mean to a nerdy guy, which why? Why why do you just have to do this on top of everything? Like Patrick Dempsey's already sucks. Like why yeah. also like and he's the nicest one to him, I guess, but not in a way that makes me care about Patrick Dempsey anymore. Yeah, so the nerd is played by Kevin Sussman who Who's good. Yeah, Kevin Sussman is one of the clients of Hitch in the beginning of Hitch, and so he's very adorable in that movie. Right. Uh and he's a Dorcas in that movie too, but they still respect him as a person. Yeah, but in this movie he's just a nerdy basketball player and these guys just like are mean to him. They just dump on him. They don't really want to be friends with him and they're very rude to him. Yeah. And so it's like <laughs> I don't like any of you. And so the the conversation between these group of guys in the early scenes is them like ragging on each other like guys. But then it's like, man, you can't get a girlfriend because you're stupid. I think I think what this is all pointing me to and what I am realizing about Save the Cat is you only like the only way that save the cat works for a character that has unlikable qualities is if they're very interesting because Patrick Dempsey is not interesting enough for me to care about if he's been enough of a douchebag. Yeah. So on the douchebag scale, Tom Hanks and you've got mail is a very good control Mm -hmm. because what he does is, you know, from a lot of vantage points, dastardly. Right. I mean, from a corporate standpoint. Yeah. And it makes you kind of removed from him. And we also get to know how good he is with basically every other aspect of his life. He's a likable guy, except this one aspect. Kathleen Kelly. Hello. This is a coincidence. Would you mind if I sat down? Yes. Yes, I would. Actually, I'm expecting someone. Thanks. Whereas Patrick Dempsey is the worst in every aspect, except the fact that, well, not the worst, but he's he's an overall bleh. Uh, for every aspect except dogs. So in You've Got Mail, the Save the Cat stuff is he has a day out with his family. Mm-hmm. And he takes out his uncle and his... What is it? Sister? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Wait. Brother? Yeah. <laughs> the two kids. That It's the all-American family. They did a good job of keeping us at our toes there, uh-huh, You've Got uh-huh. Mail. And You've Got Mail is like, okay, he's a bad guy, but he's not bad guy. Well, yeah. And there's... Like the way Tom Hanks interacts with most people in that movie, even if he's being combative, you see that there's a heart of gold there. Mm -hmm. In this movie, it's like Patrick Dempsey will take the time to make baskets because he's okay. Like we'll get there. (laughs) It's basically what happens is he realizes that he likes Michelle Monaghan enough to date her. But she's already going to Scotland for a job or something. I don't care. And um, when she's over there, they can't like hook up because apparently cell phone reception is too bad to talk and they don't know how to text each other. And they don't have landlines anywhere. Yeah. So they, they can't have a conversation ever. Can't email. Nope. Nothing. It's it's impossible to talk to somebody when they're in Scotland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this movie makes a lot of sense. And she ends up falling in love with a Scotsman. We don't see this until she brings him back and he's... Patrick Dempsey's all prepared to be like, 
you know, to try to woo Michelle Monaghan. And unfortunately, she's fallen in love with Scott McKirk. Is that his name? The actor? Oh, my God. His, his name is not Scott McKirk. Kevin McKidd. Kevin, Mc, you got to be McKidding me. Yeah, no, this is correct. He basically looks like Alan Tudyk's very muscly older brother. <laughs> yeah, which sounds great to me. Yeah. He, like, immediately, I was like, yeah, oh, no, stay with him. <laughs> this, He's great. This guy is hot. Like, in, in, in the realm of all things rom-com, we're supposed to immediately be like, I don't want him to succeed with Michelle Monaghan. All I wanted was for him to be with Michelle Monaghan. So, who, who, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, Michelle Monaghan as a character. She's nice. She's just nice. Like, that's basically who she is, right? Yeah. She's just kind of a a nice normal Is there anything special about her? No. No. Is she, is there anything distinct about her? No. No. Is there something distinct about Sally Albright? Yes. Is there something distinct about Kathleen Kelly? Yes. You guys, if you're gonna steal from Nora Ephron, steal the good parts. <laughs> it's like it's like they took all the bones out of a human and said, "Go on a date with them." And it's like, no, there's no. I mean, I can see that it's a it was a person, but there's nothing here that I want to date. Oh, do you know why you can't go out with a skeleton? Because they've got no body to go with. Yeah, but they'd probably bone down with you. Okay, let's talk about Kevin McKidd. Okay. Kevin McKidd. It still <gasps> sounds wrong. Kevin Well, it's because you're not saying it's Scottish. Go. Kevin McKidd. I can't roll my K's. <laughs> it sounded like you were gargling Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin McKidd is this rich Scotsman who owns the one of the largest distilleries in Scotland. Which sounds great. Yeah, again points he's really rich he has a home for every season which his driver tells them (laughs) it's like also looks like he's related to kevin mckid um and uh, basically what happens is michelle monaghan is like i want you patrick dempsey to be my maid of honor and that's the point of the film is him navigating how do i be a good friend to this mm-hmm. woman, but how, how do I also pursue my own feelings, which are this romantic feelings towards Which her? is an interesting concept. That's a good plot. Yeah. I want to take a second uh, and talk about the, the the rom-com trope of the Bellamy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think we've talked yeah, about yeah. this in other episodes. I think you, but, you, but let's, let's re-educate. So in romantic comedies, you've got your romantic lead and then you have the rival. Mm-hmm. And the rival's called the Bellamy because in uh, Cary Grant movies, uh, they're usually played by a man named Ralph Bellamy. Who is in His Girl Friday, for instance. His Girl yeah. Friday, The Awful Truth. He's always the one who's with the girl that Cary Grant has to win her away from. And he's not a bad guy necessarily. He's just not the right guy. What's great about Ralph Bellamy is that he has this persona that he's nice so you understand why the girl would want to be with him instead of Cary Grant because Cary Grant can be a cad sometimes and Ralph Bellamy by contrast is a a gentleman sure but but he doesn't have flavor right exactly Mm -hmm. he's very vanilla very dry and it's just never enough for us to be like well I think you should be with Ralph Bellamy Cary Grant by comparison is always more interesting and the hero we want to win right and as the bare naked ladies would say vanilla is the finest of the flavors so I think they very much agree but they're from Canada so that's true ooh we need some Canadian rom-coms Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm Let's just going to find out if Kevin Smith has done one. <laughs> I'm just going to go down the list. Oh, I guess Chasing Amy could be. Kind of, yeah. 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 
let's see. While you were sleeping, the Bellamy is actually the main romantic interest. Sure, yeah. Is um, Mr. Uh, O.C. guy. Your favorite guy from the O.C. I love him. What is his name? Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher. Uh-huh. Um, we've got Imagine Me and You, and it's Matthew Good, mm-hmm. who's very, very tasty, but for the reasons in that story, it can't be Matthew Good. Sure. In Kate and Leopold, it's kind of... Um, Brecken Meyer? No, he's no. her brother. So oh, that, that, no. Oh. No. <laughs> no, but I was thinking um, the guy she breaks up with. Uh, that's, he's not a... He's not a... He's, no, 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 it's okay. Yeah. Um, who else we got? Okay, so when Harry met Sally, let's think this through. Joe. Joe. But he's not really a character enough to be a Bellamy. Right. They're more... They're but not Bellamy's in Winter Him at Sally because they're it's, baggage. They're emotional baggage. There's Helen right. and Joe. It's hard to have a Bellamy... Like, a Bellamy has to be developed, right? Yeah. And it's hard to have a Bellamy if you're jumping around five years to five years to five years. Yeah. You need to have time with a Bellamy in order for us to be like, oh, he's kind of good. Oh, okay, there he goes. So, we have all these Bellamy's. But in and out um, it's... Um, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack is Bellamy, yeah. Yeah. Um, more famous ones that I think are the best Bellamy's, and the best examples of it are You've Got Mail with... Um, Sleepless in Seattle as well. Yeah. yeah. You've Got Mail I like more, because it's Greg Kinnear. Yeah, I, I guess he so. He is but the Bellamy. By the, all metrics, he's the Bellamy. Yeah, but I also think... Uh, okay, I, I'm going to push back. I think I think Greg Kinnear is great, but I'm going to say Bill Pullman is uh he's the Bellamy in Sleepless in Seattle because he lasts almost the entire film. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And he's left on Valentine's Day. Like that's that's basically like if you're the Bellamy, that is that is your Academy Award winning performance is being left on Valentine's Day. Yeah, and so what's great about the Bellamy, and this is why it's a tricky thing, is that you have to have this relationship with our main character in the Bellamy. You have to end it you also have to end it in a way where it makes logical sense, mm-hmm. it makes emotional sense, but you're also not f- reeling from it so that right, you can move you on to You can't the have main your romance. main characters be like hated because they broke the Bellamy's heart. And so you can't love the Bellamy so much that you're like, what did you do to Bellamy? Yeah. And so that's why it works best in Nora Ephron movies because she does this magic where they get dumped on Valentine's Day or they, you know, break up with Greg Kinnear, who's adorable, but they're okay with it. And each time in both instances, they're totally okay with it. And you're watching, you're like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I believe that Bellamy's got another Bellamy out there for him. You guys are going to do great. And you know what, guys, I made a movie about this. It's called Mr. Right. I don't think it's online right now, but maybe I should put it out there. But and it's it stars a, me. It and stars I'm Kelly. <laughs> and I wanted to make a movie. I didn't. Okay, I didn't do this whole thing to like self promote. But I made that movie about the Bellamy, and it was its original title was The Bellamy because I'm like, you know what? What of the Bellamy? I want him to find love. Well, you know, and I think in. I want to find, because I, I don't think we've run into this a lot in this genre, but I want to find, like, a good set of female Bellamy's that we can start, like, pointing to. Uh, yeah, it's usually... It's usually a guy. A guy. Mm-hmm. Because, ooh, that's fascinating. It's usually about the guy winning the girl, mm-hmm. and not the girl winning the guy. Or it's about... It's a. It's about the girl realizing what she actually wants. Right. Like, I'm thinking of The Holiday, for instance. 
the Bellamy in that, like, it's not like Jack Black is distracted by another girl. No, and it's it's more about um, Kate Winslet realizing that Rufus Sewell is evil. Yeah. Which, I mean, she should have seen A Knight's Tale, because he is. But then she got, he's a really nice guy. He's, he's fine. Let's look. I'm, I mean, I'm looking through my, my Blu-rays and my DVDs. I'm trying to find more female Bellamy's, and that's fascinating. Yeah, let's keep our eye out, and let's make a list online. Let's find the female Bellamy's. Because a lot of the female character roles go to... Because we said Joan Cusack, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, the female roles usually go to the best friend role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, usually played by... I, I I would say also I'm sorry for interrupting. No, but interrupt. I think Judy Greer. I just wanted to finish my <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually paid by Judy Greer. I think the here's and and we should interrogate this more. But I think a lot of times it happens more like in um, uh, what's the twins one with uh, Parent Trap. Parent Trap. Yes, where the. The Bellamy oh. ends up being evil, and right. that's why they get broken up with. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, you have the evil blonde lady who's going after Dennis Quaid, and we're like, ooh, we don't like her. You know, and this is something else we commented on in today's movie, is that there's not a lot of blondes. Like, Frances Ha, we got we got Frances Ha as, like, the blonde that people stay with, but I think there's a huge swath of, like, basically from 1990 or so to today, where... Like, Hollywood's done with blondes. Yeah. Almost, like, almost, it seems like a purposeful thing. Where we need it's more like, Kristen Bell movies. Where yeah. are you, Kristen Bell? She's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is one of the best movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my best friend's wedding, Cameron Diaz, is the rival. She's not the Bellamy. She's the antagonist. Well, yeah, because she also gets the guy in the end. Yeah. yeah. She is the villain of the movie. Well, uh, we got to watch that again because I think they kind of reconcile. Sure. The yeah. But the whole conflict is based around this woman is the the perpetrator. Hold on. She's... Let's look, let's look back. I'm going to stand next to Ryan. We're going to look at our list of movies so far. This is a little bit of research. We're going to try to find one blonde that is gets what she wants in the end. Um, Emma Thompson. Well, Kate and Leopold. Okay. Emma Thompson and Kate Leopold. Before Sunrise? No. No. Is it? No. Okay, keep scrolling. Well, imagine me and you. Is Cersei blonde in that? No, she's got like red hair. But Cersei doesn't get... No. No. Uh, Big Sick. But she's gone most of the movie. And she gets really sick. Um, okay, Jane. In what? In Pride and Prejudice. But she's not the main character. Yeah. So that doesn't really count. Um, as Heath Ledger. <laughs> no, he doesn't get what he wants. Um, when Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally. Okay, we got one. That, that one's a true one. I mean, that and Kate and Leopold. So, yeah. yeah two, two movies are the ones that we've watched so far. We have Blondes winning the day. More Kristen Bell movies, please. Um, yeah. Okay, so basically... All that to say. All uh-huh. that to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's your Bellamy thesis? So Kevin McKidd in this movie is the Kevin Bellamy. Kevin McKidd. And as the rules go for the Bellamy, this film gets an F. Because the Bellamy needs to be good, but not that great. And needs to be 
a good contrast to our main character, but we know that our main character at the end of the day has better romantic qualities. Now, okay, so I, I am going to say, like, I agree that it was executed poorly, but I think he's almost the perfect Bellamy. The problem is... He's too perfect. Well, Patrick... Pat, well, he's too perfect for Patrick Dempsey. There's an imbalance here. Because if you had a better character... Like, let's say you had a Tom Hanks, okay? And Michelle Monaghan was in love with Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks is not the perfect guy. He's not a Scottish laird. Mm. But... I'm going to challenge you. And this would be a fun challenge. Sorry, I, I, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. What if it was Colin Hanks? Yeah. Wouldn't well, that I mean, even be better... That sure. Colin Hanks isn't a traditional hero. Colin Hanks role. is charming. He's really charming, and he would have his work cut out for him with Kevin McKidd. Exactly, and he could prove himself. Basically. Exactly. And Patrick Dempsey is bumbling and a douche in this, and so it's like those two things can't charm somebody against a Scottish lord, yet he does somehow. Yes. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is, he—they almost constructed a perfect Bellamy, which is the perfect Bellamy. <laughs> The perfect Bellamy in that this guy is is not he he's romantically ideal, yet that doesn't mean he's the perfect person for Michelle Monaghan. Yeah, and the sense we get in movies like Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail is like, look, it's great. The audience is already on this thought. You're great. It's just not. There's just something not there. And this movie tries to kneecap. I think it's in the execution because this movie tries to kneecap um, McKidden, but it does a really bad job. Like it's like uh, they're they're all having dinner and um, they announce that he when they're in Scotland, right? Because they go to Scotland to have the wedding. Sorry, jumping <laughs> yeah. all over the place. They try to kneecap McKid by saying he killed the deer for the table, right? Um, that they're so eating. you have someone who hurts the dog, right? Basically, they're like, see, he's mean because he kills animals. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Not, I like, I'm vegetarian, but whatever. It's Michelle Monaghan isn't. And he went out and like hunted for deer to supply an actual like table full of food for people. That just kind of, in my book, makes him more badass. Yeah. Like, like, and and Michelle Monaghan is like, ugh, gross. And it's like, what? You, what, what, like, what, what do you hate about this right now? And you're getting married. You're eating meat right now. And you're getting married and you should know that about him. Right. Like you guys have, and then he doesn't, oh, this is the other thing. He doesn't share his cake like Patrick Dempsey shares his cake. But they literally spent a month traveling together in Scotland. It's no way would you know that that person doesn't share desserts already. Yeah. You know who else doesn't share desserts? Joey Tribbiani. Yeah, and he's great. You would be so lucky, Michelle Monaghan. You would be so lucky. So, get over it, okay? Yeah, get over it. Move on with your life. Uh, so... I think, here's the thing. Michelle Monaghan doesn't deserve him. Scott, or Kevin McKitt. Well, I guess she deserves Patrick Dempsey then. So then we've got a movie where you don't deserve Kevin McKidd. And if you don't deserve Kevin McKidd, then I don't want to watch your Then movie. get out of Scotland. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Kevin McKidd is perfect. And and then, like, it all culminates. Uh, they, they do a whole bunch of, like, Scottish wedding time activities, which are fun for the most part. It's like they, they do Highland games. They do Highland games, which is fun. Everybody dresses up all renaissance And it's, like, dumb, but it's dumb fun. And then they, like, they do the, the Scottish version of a hen party, bachelorette party, basically, where they go out on the town and... 
like she has to get hep C from all of the people in, <laughs> in the bar. She has to kiss like uh, Michelle Monaghan has to kiss all the people in the bar and, and they, they give her money yeah. for it. Um, yeah. Another form of love and monetary exchange in this movie. Yeah. I see a theme running yeah. around here, but at the same time, it's, it's so much better than everything else because it's just all these drunk, like fun, seemingly really nice small town Scottish yeah. people just enjoying a kiss. Yeah. And like, they're all kissing each other as yeah. well. Like this seems like a chill town. Yeah. I want to live here. And unfortunately when Patrick Dempsey and uh, Michelle Monaghan lock lips, they lock lips for like slow-mo 10 minutes in this yeah, movie it, it, and it's... nobody sees, but her mom, it's impossible. I don't know how this happens. <laughs> this, is, And it's a kiss that's so inappropriate. Like, even if Kevin McKidd kissed her like that, it'd be like, geez, guys, you're not married yeah, yet. Like, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I know you guys have had sex, but slow down. <laughs> yeah, please. So that's when they realize, oh, I guess we're in love with each other because we had a really nice kiss. Uh-huh. And, I guess. And then, of course, wouldn't you know it? Oh, we have to back up. This movie's more complicated than we thought. Because one of her bridesmaids dated... Patrick Dempsey in the oh, past. Right. And she's, she's one of the, a good actress, yeah, too. It's Busy Phillips, yeah. who is um, Kim Kelly in Freaks and Geeks, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And she plays an amazing character with yeah. a really great arc. And uh, she brings she brings it to this role. Yeah, so she did date Patrick Dempsey for... And what he broke her heart. What can only be surmised for a week because he has all these rules that he never sees a woman longer than a few days. Right, and she broke his nose at one point in time. Well, for good reason. Well, and well, maybe. We don't know. I mean, you, sh- you shouldn't. I mean... Yeah, so now they have to figure out, you know, how they're going to be in the bridal party together, even though they used to date and they can't settle their differences, mm-hmm. apparently, because they and don't she keeps to... sabotaging like him trying to do nice things for the wedding. Yeah, and it sabotages. So, like, one of the things is Patrick Dempsey has to throw the what is it? The bachelorette party? Is it? And it's the shower. It's the shower, right? right, right Sorry, right. the shower. So um, they're all showering together. It's the shower, and he has to come up with the activity and for some reason the girl who hates him is like don't worry i'll take care of it for you and she gives him a card and she says it's to like a a tarot card reader yeah because he can clearly trust this woman and so he calls yeah right he can clearly trust her and so he calls and sets up this appointment for this woman to come do this tarot card reading or something and i don't know how you get from like ordering her to come to this party and her not telling you about the services she provides, which isn't tarot card reading, but a whole display of it's a demo. It's a Betty Crocker demo of sex toys. Exactly. And um, it ends with that classic, like wonderful romantic comedy scene of the grandma wearing anal beads. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. But they don't say anal beads. They say thunder eggs. Sure. Thunder, thunder beads. Sure. (laughs) Worked better in how I met your mother. It did. 
it worked better in every sitcom that's done it so far. Yeah. It felt lazy in that way. So we're in a movie and we're getting sitcom humor. Good job, guys. So basically what happens is, like, we get to this night where Michelle Monaghan's like, ooh, I kissed Patrick Dempsey. I am in love with him still. I, You know, Scottish lord with more testosterone and a bigger dick than everybody I've ever known Mm -hmm. doesn't satisfy me. But that kiss from Patrick Dempsey sure did. That does it. And so Patrick Dempsey is like wanting to talk to her and she's wanting to talk to Patrick Dempsey and she's heading up to the room and we know she's heading up to the room. And of course, that's when this woman that Patrick Dempsey dated shows up ready to have sex. Super drunk. Super drunk. Tackles him, starts kissing him, is like, you know you want to have sex with me. I need this right now. And then she enters the room. And, like, it's like you can see this movie coming every step a mile away. Yeah. And so the other thing going on in this movie, if you haven't caught on, is every female in the movie wants to have sex with Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. So what is that in Save the Cat? It's, um, like, like he's the gold, he's the golden sex object. I mean everyone. Like, when he passes through a room, the extras stare at him. Yeah, like, he gets numbers by standing in a line. And, like, they actually do a thorough job of portraying this to us, where they actually cast a woman in the Starbucks hitting on him and asking him out. Uh-huh. What does that do for us? And, well, and there's other moments. I mean, it, it just... I. Patrick Dempsey is an attractive human being, but... But he he doesn't have charisma to spare in this film, and he's not like so attractive that everybody's going to hit on him. And so I don't know why we need to be continually convinced that Patrick Dempsey is worthwhile. I think the reason the movie has to do this is because he doesn't have personality enough to want to fall in love with. Yeah. And so it's like, well, you must want to sleep with him. Yeah. So the way Patrick Dempsey plays this role is, and we're not trying to be mean we're not trying to come after you patrick we're not but the only way he plays him is like a douchebag like that is the fairest like well kelly and i want to be fair towards these movies but his persona in this movie is a douchebag it's it's facets of douchebag because sometimes he's a confused douchebag sometimes here's the thing sometimes he's nice right he's trying to put on a nice party for her but it's all with the intent to win her back yeah. So I, it poisons like all of his actions. I want to reiterate, I'm not trying to use a hyperbolic. He just, there's no other way to describe his presence in this yeah. movie. And here, this is where we rewrite the movie, okay? Let's do it. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. All right. Patrick Dempsey gives up on being able to date her yes and he actually tries to throw her a good wedding as her maid of honor yes at the end sometime over the course of that wedding she changes her mind then they decide yes this fixes the whole thing i fixed your movie you can remake it now there's an utter lack of humility in our main character they never eat humble pie, not once. And that's the thing. If you're going to make your character a douchebag, you've got to shove their face in the humble pie. And Tom Hanks and You've Got Mail is just dripping with it at the end of the movie. He he eats it so hard. And and he, he eats it in the coffee shop when Meg Ryan like just tears into him. And then he's like, how does, how does it feel to be super mean? But you're right. Okay, I'll leave. And he really 
kind of has to come to terms with the fact that people aren't going to like him because of what he's doing in life. And the thing is, let's really just think about it critically. What does Patrick Dempsey do in this movie to win her over? He kisses her. He kisses her. He he makes her a nice... Is there something that he does for her bachelorette stuff? No. He just does his job as any friend should. Yeah, but he does it poorly at first. I guess so. And then he he goes to see... Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the scene where we get to see Michelle Monaghan in like sexy lingerie for the wedding. And she brings him along... To basically, like, approve or disapprove of her sexy outfit. What do you think? Think Colin will like it? No. Okay, as a premise, is stupid. I'm not going to say it's unbelievable, because... If you had a very, very close relationship with a friend who is super sexually, like, experienced and you were super nervous and there was, like, an emotion in this moment, but it's just like, no, come chill and totally check me out in my stuff and approve of how hot I am in my, like, night of lingerie. It's just... It's, it's not, like, a moral objection I have to it. It's just so unrealistic. I'm trying to think of any other movie... Any other show where you have a friendship between two heterosexual people that are of opposite genders <laughs> that would feel that this is a sensible act to do because her testing out lingerie, lingerie before the wedding checks out. Because sure. I didn't know this, but it's a pretty common parlance of... Uh, brides to be to be gifted lingerie i didn't know that there's a whole thing of that oh did you not know that yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i knew it was a thing it's not like in every wedding but, no yeah. but it, it, it's it's one of those like traditions yeah so her tradition tradition so her shopping for lingerie. wedding traditions well first of all she's shopping for lingerie and it's like michelle you're gonna have a party where you're going to be gifted lingerie. Maybe she doesn't trust her friend's judgment, which I get. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but if that's the case, I mean, she should know what she wants. She doesn't need Patrick. She can, you here, ladies. I know you know this. I know I know this about myself. I'll look in the mirror and know whether I feel sexy in something. I I don't need some other friend to look at me in my underwear and be like, okay, now that. Is going to work on him. Okay, the fairest I can give it is that as a test audience, he is an, Ex- an, experience. Appro- he is an yeah. appropriate choice because she's like, is this going to get your motor running? Right. And as my friend who you're obviously super platonic towards, does this get your motor running? Why would you want to get his motor running? <laughs> um, I, I want to take a minute and really think about it. I'm I'm like I'm watching Scrubs right now, and it's like maybe between JD and Elliot at some point in their relationship. At some point in the relationship, it'd be that. goofy enough to do that. But this maybe. movie isn't goofy like that. Maybe. Well, here's the thing. This is also directed by Paul Wieland, Wayland, um, who is I, that's not both his last names. I just didn't know which way <laughs> to pronounce it. Um, Sorry, is it Wieland or Wayland? Wieland, Wayland is fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is. 
he's a director of Mr. Bean. Yeah. Of um, a lot of goofy movies. So in the cinematic universe, he's one degree away from Richard Curtis, who wrote Mr. Bean. Right. I don't know how he gets from all the movies that I've seen on his IMDb to this one, though. Like I, I most, like, really think a lot of directors read the script and were like, "This is not good." I think he was. I don't know. Yeah, he must. He must have just been given the film, and and Mr. Was, Bean is not known for its its dialogue's wit. No, because he doesn't speak exactly. Um, or he goes. Ooh. <laughs> um, Can we take a second and just think how Four Weddings and Funeral, Notting Hill, Mr. Bean, like Richard Curtis has written all of those things? Kind of odd. He's. Yeah, but that, I mean, that shows his talent. Yeah. It shows Mr. Whalen's um, place where he should stay. And again, Rowan Atkinson. Sorry, I want to just go on this for a second. Oh, and he did Blackadder, too. Like, and a couple episodes I know. of Blackadder. Like, Rowan Atkinson does Blackadder and does Bean. Like, yeah. you couldn't get more opposite. Opposite is opposite. Right, but they're both ridiculous characters that, mm-hmm. like, rely on physical comedies well one relies on physical comedy more so and the other relies on like wit i guess i i started watching black adder like a few months ago uh-huh. and Do you love it they started talking i was like you guys are talking way too fast for me and i <laughs> am tracking with half of what your historical context well is. i mean like if you if you look at the writer's room for that like i watched a writer's room from Blackadder uh-huh. and it's nuts. Like Stephen Fry is there mm-hmm. and him and Rowan Atkinson are just arguing back and forth from each other and the show creators there. And they're just having like a blast being Oxford like yeah. graduates and trying to be witty and outwitty people, which is why Blackadder doesn't work 24 <laughs> seven because sometimes it's just, it's like if you took Frasier, made it a lot faster and gave it archaic language, uh, sometimes, and then you sprinkled in some Monty Python. Exactly. Which is either the tops of comedy or, okay, this is a lot right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm as poor as a church mouse that's just had an enormous tax bill on the very day his wife ran off with another mouse taking all the cheese. Anyways, I don't know what happened. The director does, there's a lot of physical gags in this movie and it just doesn't quite work. Yeah, their physical gags shot like, like a, a studio film. Because it, I'm not seeing Patrick Dempsey actually doing it. See, like in Valentine's Day... Taylor Lautner did that yes. pratfall, the and one, it was hilarious. And it was great. And like it almost looked like a real fall because like he hit the ground, but he's also strong enough and a good enough actor that he took it. Stood, like If it was an accident, he took it, stood up, laughed, and limped off and just continued the scene. And I'm like, that's dedication. I want to work with you. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey does bring one thing to this movie, a physical... Oh, he juggles. He juggles in this movie. He juggles in Valentine's Day. Good for him. I think it's a clause in his contract. Yeah. We should watch some uh, Grey's Anatomy and see if he, like, juggles every once in a while. I really think he takes the chance and be like, oh, maybe that's the other thing. It's like, gotta give him a good quality, good quality, good quality. Can juggle. Okay. Can juggle. (laughs) Yeah. Save the the plate. Save the plate. Doesn't break the plate. Um, I I think what what I want to see, I've never seen this, and I wonder if... Patrick Dempsey ever wanted it in his career I would have loved to see Patrick Dempsey like throw away this facade of leading man who can woo somebody and play the fool I I don't know if he's too pretty to do that but I wonder if his 
Bag is more physical comedy, and he's doing these roles that are kind of the opposite of that. I don't know. We'll we'll get to Enchanted, and he's perfect for Enchanted. Okay. I haven't seen it, so... He plays a jaded lawyer who gets the Disney princess interactions, and that's just good fun. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, in this in this movie, he basically ruins his chances at first with Michelle Monaghan because she catches the other woman on top of him in bed. Yeah. And, and then, come on, yada, yada, yada. They figure it out. He gets on a horse and interrupts the wedding, falls on his face. And that is and, what convinces her. You know what? I shouldn't marry uh, Kevin McKidd. I should marry the guy who just fell off the horse. Right. Yeah, for no reason. And then Kevin McKidd rightly punches him. Yeah, it's like at that point in the movie, we're rooting hard for Kevin McKidd. And we just want Patrick Dempsey to fail because he's doing a douchebag thing. He's ruining their relationship and their marriage for no Uh good reason. Uh Uh-huh. Like, and it's not even that thing where he's a friend and he doesn't want his friend to marry the wrong person. Because presumably, other than like the two moments we've seen where she's not perfectly wonderfully happy with this guy... She's happy with him. Yeah. And and here's the thing. Like, this movie tries to set it up as, you know, she met him. They've had a really, really fast relationship where they've been, like, together for a month and a half. And now they're getting married. And, like, but the movie doesn't take enough time to settle on that and question that and really talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's just that Patrick Dempsey sees that as an excuse to be, I mean, it, it's it's, I don't know. It just doesn't do enough. For me to believe, like, yeah, maybe she's making a mistake. Yeah, so as I would look at the script, I would just, like, with my red marker, I would just kind of be like, there's so many broken things in here. You're going to have to go back and start over. Like, I can't I can't revise this. Mm-hmm. I need you to start over. You need to change each of the characters, except for Kevin McKidd. Well. Okay, yeah, we talked about, like, desaturating him a little bit. but You could have gone the other way. And it's cheaper, but it's effective. And make them douchebags and just make us hate the Bellamy. Because that also works. Sure. It's just a little boring. Yeah, and, and it, it, but at least, at least it would carry. That's like, like, Greg Kinnear does a good job of that, where he's insufferable and he's pedantic. But at the same time, we don't hate him. There are things we like about him. Well, and, you know, the, the good ones, you can start by hating them, but then coming to love them. Like, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall... Aldous is kind of a douche, but by the end of the movie, you're like, God, you are cool. Yeah, that's a magical movie. I really can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Fuck, you're cool. It's so hard to say because, uh, like, I hate you in so many ways, but whatever. I can see why Sarah likes you. No accounting for taste, I suppose. It starts off with a character that you everyone dislikes, but by the end, you do like him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a movie where... It's usually cheaper rom-coms. It's usually Hallmark movies. It's usually like the Christmas Prince movies where the the Bellamy is like this obviously bad guy and everyone from the get-go is like, you shouldn't be with this guy. You should be with our guy. Mm-hmm. And the good Bellamy is like, I see your point. I, see I don't your think point. there's even a Bellamy in the Christmas Prince. Or maybe there's somebody. Oh, yeah, that's a female Bellamy. But I think she's evil. She is evil. Yeah. Yeah. See, there we go. Uh, oh, 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 she's blonde though. Our main yeah. character in that movie's blonde. Well, she's not on our pod yet. Okay. Uh, but but uh, Parent Trap again. C- going back to her, like she's an evil Bellamy. Right. She's an evil blonde Bellamy. Yeah. She's, and s- 
three strikes. <laughs> like, there's no way she's going to win. Yeah, and so that's why we're kind of like... And that that's better because it's that's a kid's movie and sure. things are more black and white. Um, but we're just kind of like, no, she sucks. She needs to go. We want Dennis Quaid to be with the mom. Which is fine because you can have those characters. Just like... Yeah, and it gets the plot yeah. moving, and there's okay, there's no nuance, but it works. But it's fine. Yeah. yeah, it's fine because our characters get what they want. Yeah, and the bad guy, quote unquote, bad guy, doesn't. Our last scene in this movie. I'm trying so hard to look past the beige here and actually remember what happened. We basically like leave them surrounding Patrick Dempsey crumpled in a heap of shame and broken bones on the floor from having a Scottish fist pushed through his face. Mm -hmm. And we fade into our two lovers in bed together. Maybe did they get married? Who cares? They, and, and they're like, what, what do they even say? We'll put it in. I don't need. They say something. They say and then, something. And the movie ends. And, it's so dumb. And then I throw up. Yeah. Which was gross. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was yeah. a bad movie. Trash fire. Um, oh, the dog. We didn't even talk about the second dog. He meets a dog in Scotland. He and meets he pets another it dog and he pets that boat. dog. And then that boat. Then he sees that dog again and pets that dog. And something about that dog tells him that he needs to go back and find Michelle Monaghan. There's nothing. Like. Like, was there a scene we missed where that dog was a Scottish ghost and told him, like, you have to seek what you love? I don't know. Lest you continue in your quotation and mention the name of the Scottish play. No, never fear, I shan't do that. By the Scottish play, I assume you mean Macbeth. Ah! The movie ends, and you're sitting there thinking, what did these people do to deserve happiness? And did I want them to deserve happiness? And I do not. No, I don't. Like, I I would have been fine if Michelle Monaghan was happy, but it wasn't because I needed her to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I was sad that Kevin McKidd was sad. Yeah. Like... And he was even taking it all right. Like, he was being a gentleman, and then his aunt or his grandma or somebody was like, you should punch him. <laughs> and, which, like, I, it's, you're not supposed to side with your hero's antagonists at every point in turn. Yeah. But this movie, you do. And they maybe it was an experiment. Maybe it was a bet. Maybe... But it failed utterly. And I I really dislike They Came Together, but I might dislike this one more. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, let's just go through rapid fire other problems with this movie that makes it, I hate using this term, problematic, but let's use it. Uh, there's a character that's a bridesma- bridesmaid that she's overweight um, and she wants to lose weight. And so she goes on this dress. to fit in a dress because she needs to fit in this dress. Right. Because we can't just be problematic, but we also have to be cliche. Yeah. And so she needs to fit in this dress by the wedding. Um, and so she goes on this liquid diet and it's dangerous for her health wise. And the characters just kind of go. Uh-huh. And the movie just basically makes this joke out of this woman trying to lose weight. Which here's the thing. This is a this is a r- real problem 
with kind of our society at large. But this is also not something you should shame somebody for for trying to do either. If you want to try to lose weight and you want to try to do it in a healthy way, good on you. If you want to not do that, don't feel pressure to. But the pressure is there and the pressure is real for some people. And if this movie just talked about that a little bit, like it tries to with like, I think Patrick Dempsey says something about it. And then somebody's like, you need to eat. You look hungry. But it comes off as so trite and mean. And mm-hmm. the only good part is when, like, her dress rips, which is not a good part. It's cheap comedy. And it's at the expense of her just having, like, but the movie's trying, though, to say, like, you you shouldn't have to do this. Be- it's just doing it so badly. Yeah, and, like, she gets her, like... All the Scotsmen give they all the, they all smile at her, uh-huh. and they're like, "Oh, you look good." And so it's just kind of like she feels good now because she got the compliments from these guys. And it, yeah, and again, it's the Scots to save the day. The Scots are the best thing in this movie. <laughs> but so, if you want to watch a movie that's interesting, that actually does that. That's about a character trying to lose weight. It's fantastic. It's called Brittany Runs a Marathon, and. Ah, it is so good because it's about a woman who really just is like, you know what? I'm going to go lose some weight. And it's about her journey doing that. I really related to it because in college I lost 60 pounds and I went through the same kind of like body image problems. And I had a, I was going through some really tough stuff with that being overweight Mm -hmm. in my, during my freshman year. And I really related to her plight of how you feel physically, how your mental image of yourself is. And it's just kind of like for this movie to make like, ha ha. It's just like, that was mean. Yeah. Like you're just laughing at this character and you're fat shaming her and not fat shaming in like a memeable way of like, that's fat shaming. It's like, no, you're just shaming this character. It was like, I was watching Barney Stinson make jokes about somebody the whole movie. Yeah. And it's like, this is mean. Why would I laugh? with you guys right and so that's that's not to say that you can't have a character who is trying to do something like lose weight you you can have stuff like that play into jokes but you have to do it in a way that also makes them a human being and not the butt of a joke yeah and kelly uh called me out on this in my own screenplay i was writing i've got a i've got a movie about an overweight character and i had one joke that was at my character's expense and kelly like uh called that out he's like no, no, no. Like, you can have him be this way, but we're not going to laugh at him. We're going to laugh with him. Or a bad character is yeah. going to, like, yeah. I mean, there you, you don't necessarily need to write characters with your morals, per se. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's our job as screenwriters to give a morality to a script. And that's generally by just giving it humanity. Yeah, and that's... And to, 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 I mean, your script ended up, like keeping some stuff like that in there but it did it in really great ways and so you still got to talk about the fact that he's like like one of your characters is just really overweight and i mean i hazard to even use overweight he's just a he's a giant of a man yeah big guy he's a big dude and um he's the hero of the story and you were able to talk about it with such nuance and probably through like your own experiences though you're not like half his size yeah well, losing 60 pounds in my freshman year shelled. <laughs> uh, so that brings me to the other problem in this film is his friends. And so he, 
They, oh yeah. They cut back to forgot they were here. <laughs> all his friends who he only talks to them during basketball games. And they um they come over and help with sure. some of the wedding stuff too. Yeah, but the basketball games is where they do that. And they're either being just legitimately mean to Kevin Sussman who just wants to play basketball with him and doesn't know how to like interact with them, or they're being mean to Kevin McKidd and they're all literally I, I, there is no better way to put this. They're literally bullying him. Right. They're literally pushing him around and literally like, dunking on him. <laughs> well, he dunks on them, though. Well, at first they're dunking on him. But then he's like, oh, so this is basketball and learns how to do it and, and you know, becomes like the Scottish Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. Yeah. And, uh, but the fairest thing we can say is that they're bullies. Yeah. And this movie's attitude towards a lot of different people is bullying. Yeah. It's just like, hey, where there's like this really poisonous masculinity in this film where the fun thing to do is to dump on people. Yeah. And they dump on each other and they don't build each other up. And like there's like some camaraderie that can be found in moments like this where you give each other hard times, maybe. And they start doing that at the beginning of this movie, granted through bad dialogue and acting, um, by like a couple of the characters are like way into sleeping around and other characters are like, no, love is great. You should get married. It's actually pretty fantastic. And they start bringing this up as a conversation and it's just like that goes away. It becomes mainly about like, like... I mean, it's just if, if you're going to have a group of friends together, especially ones that dunk on each other, make them fun. Yeah. Make them really fun. And so if what you're doing is saying and his friends are bullies, what does that say? about? He's him? a bully, though. What is, and that's my point. What does that say about him? He's the one that starts off the whole like we're going to take this like this guy doesn't know how to play basketball. We're going to destroy him. Yeah. And it's just it's like you can do f- <laughs> like like, OK, uh, the movie that does this um but reverse kind of, but still has fun with it is wedding crashers of all films Mm -hmm. where like they all go to this Island and like they play football. Right. And, um, you have the mean, rich snobby dude, like totally take out Vince Vaughn at one point in time while they play football. It's Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Is Bradley Cooper. Great. And he kind of, like, but there's competition. There's people going head to head, and they have a knowing antagonism towards each other. Like there, there is like something there where each of them are competing each against each other on a level playing field. Whereas this movie is, oh, he doesn't know how to play basketball. Let's make fun of him by shaming him and making him feel bad about how he doesn't know how to play basketball. And then they all get the movie does get them all back i guess but it's just no fun and there's no reason for our characters to bully him in the first place if we're really standing up for kevin mckid we really are we should (laughs) in the parent trap Lindsay lohan and Lindsay lohan are i love the way they interacted by the way it's very good are dealing with the blonde lady Uh i can't remember her name but they're they're dunking on the blonde lady because we hate her and she's she's mean. Right. And we're kind of like, we need to have some, like, retaliation towards this Exactly. Woman. It's a war, right? But this isn't a war. Kevin McKidd is like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. And like, oh, what an idiot. Doesn't know how to play American basketball. And just like, you guys, he, 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 he hasn't seen any games. So can you just, like, be kind of generous towards him? He's like, no. 
It's the equivalent of throwing like spit wads at somebody in class. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to be friends with any of you guys. Yeah. Why am I spending a movie with you? Yeah. So anyway, this was this movie. It sucked. But one really good thing about it is that no matter how bad it is, we still get to give it a rom-com Oscar. Yeah. So I'm going to give it best Scotsman. Okay, that's good. I, I'm, um, I mean, I'm right on board with you there. Like, I, if we could give it, I'm going to give it most perfect Bellamy. Most perfect Bellamy. You could just say perfect Bellamy. Yeah, you. The Oscar for perfect Bellamy goes to Kevin McKidd. Kevin McKidd, come on down. Thank you. I'd like to thank my uh, family. Um, he he was he was fantastic. Like I mean, the actor didn't necessarily do Oscar worthy work. He was just a good actor who played a fine part. Yeah, and in doing so, succeeded more than any other character in this movie. Yeah, and he'll be our control of like, well, what if you make him too perfect? And we'll right. we'll always go back to this, like, this is what happens when they're too perfect. This is a McKid. So you have a Bellamy and a McKid. I love it. I feel like Bellamy is so English and McKid is Scottish. And so we have like this kind of British competition going on here. We need the figure out whoever the character is in Parent Trap when you're blonde lady. And it's like, or you're blonde lady from Parent Trap. I mean, evil stepmom. That that already has a a trope going on. Yeah, I guess so. Evil stepmom. But that's kind of weird if you're... A romantic rival to your stepmom. Well, the evil stepmom. You aren't a romantic rival in this case. You're a affection rival. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. So so we we just gave him a kid to my kid. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 just gonna guess, and maybe I'm wrong because I know that you also enjoy Michelle Monaghan. Mm. Are you falling in love with my kid or Monaghan? It's gonna be my kid. Okay gonna be my kid why um he's perfect you like a castle <laughs> castle uh scotch um highland games yeah more, it sounds it sounds great uh, plus he's got four houses one for every season oh that sounds great he's a man for every season i love that what a lovable person um yeah he's he's great he doesn't share his dessert but it's just like i could break through that ice but i'm actually not gonna say him Mainly because I want to give this award, if it's an award, to... I want to give my body as an award oh. to a different character. There is one of his either friends or family members. Um, he's just got long hair. And <laughs> he's he's another Scotsman. And he's the one who initially starts unpinning his pins. And he's like, gentlemen, give me your pins. Oh, the only good human being in this movie? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, Scott McKid's a good human being, too. Right. The only um, other good the other, person. Yeah. The only other good person in this film um, is is this random Scotsman. He probably has a name, but you'll find him. He has, like, long, dark, kind of graying salt and pepper hair. And he's he's there every once in a while just being a good guy. Mm-hmm. So good Scotsman is who I'd fall in love with. In this movie. And I will say Monaghan's the second because again she's inoffensive. She's very right. she's very nice. She's a lovely person. Yeah, and she seems like a good person to just go hang out with on a date or in a but she likes rich guys. So yeah, I don't well, know. Well, and you know, it really comes down to this. It's like you stole your premise 
kind of from when Harry met Sally, or at least you stole your main two characters from when Harry met Sally mm-hmm. and you stole their relationship, but you didn't steal what was fusing that movie together, which is the tension of what the relationship is. And the biggest failure of this film globally is that you didn't understand what the conundrum was between these two characters holistically. Yeah. Like, like the premise it set up is can one person be a douchebag, but then realize that they're in love with somebody? Yeah. Which is like, it's, there's no tension there. No, it's just a, it's just a question that you ask your friends at the bar sometime. But Michelle Monaghan never confronts, oh my God, I just spent the last 10 years of my life treating this guy kind of like my boyfriend, but just without the sex part. Right. And we're that close. And I'm not, I'm not dealing with any of the consequences. We just see it on her face once. Yeah. That's it. And I don't know if this has led to like you not pursuing other relationships because existentially, I think that's fascinating, but you as a movie are too stupid to think about it. Right. Yeah, the movie never brought up any of her exes. No. But we we hear about, like, eight of Patrick Dempsey's. Or 800. He seemed like... Well, yeah, I mean... in tested. In legend. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the other thing I think, uh, as filmmakers, if any of you are story writers or filmmakers out there, you don't necessarily need to write your character poor or struggling in order to make them an interesting character. But let's take... Billy Crystal and um, I can Meg only think Ryan. of Kathleen Kelly. Yeah. Oh, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan uh, from When Harry Met Sally. Sally Albright. Thank you. And Harry. 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 And then let's take these two maniacs um, who are falling in love with each other for some reason from today's movie. And what we have are a couple really rich people who are falling in love and they have problems because too many people love them. Yeah. Life sucks. Life's really hard. Um, Harry is very similar in that he sleeps with a lot of women and he even, I think he even has like a couple rules like Patrick Dempsey, but But his crux as a character always comes back to his ex-wife. Right. And he is also upfront with Sally at one point in time, he asks her out on a date, right? And then they like also talk to each other about the dynamics of their relationship all the time. We and and not only that, but like they're not super rich. They they live normal lives, and mm-hmm. these other characters don't talk to each other. They live completely abnormal lives. Yet we don't see like the fun benefits of that. Besides nice car, fancy apartment, it's not like in two weeks' notice where he's so rich that like they fly around in a helicopter places and they um, go on extremely weird spending sprees. Like there, there's no catharsis for me to live through in that way. And so why am I watching him? Yeah. Why don't, why do I care about him and his money? Yeah. No, I don't. You can be a rich douche and then you're Hugh Grant in two weeks notice, but there's something foppish about you. That's cute. Right. And there's other characters that were even before that. Like I'm thinking of Arthur. The whole movie is predicated on a character being, like kind of not a waste of a human being, but someone who just doesn't care very much Mm -hmm. and he's super rich and then he learns to care. And that's interesting. Yeah. I think 
in general, we're kind of losing our our luster for obscenely rich main characters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in in general, in life and in the industry. Um, can okay. we can we pick next week's movie, please? Yeah, sure. Um, no, I, I I mean I I can't put a kibosh on an extremely rich character because we've only had one of those in a row. Well, you know, this is a couple Patrick Dempsey's in one month, and I say if we oh. Okay. I'm gonna throw no 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 no. I'm gonna roll my um. What is that Vegas game where you have to pick one number out of like 200 numbers, and that's the only way you can. How do anyone win? Does anyone win that game? What am I thinking of? Ru- I mean, there's roulette. Am I thinking roulette? Where you say 68 black, and you roll the ball, and it goes. Yeah, yeah, that's roulette. Is that? Yeah. How do people win at that? I mean, you get lucky, or the house. Mainly, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like. Take my money, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what casinos are. Have you been to a casino? No. Oh. Well, we can go sometime and watch people lose money. Okay. It's okay. going to be smoky. I'm going to roll my... Wait, what's it called? You're going to, like, spin the roulette wheel? I'm going to spin the roulette wheel. <laughs> and I'm saying 68 black, which is, I hope we get enchanted. Okay. Because if we get enchanted, that would, like, clean out the past two Patrick Dempsey flops. Okay. With a winner. What do you think about this, though? If we get two movies in a row where it has one of the like same actors as a main character as the previous movie, we have to do the next episode drunk. Uh, or drinking, at least. Oh, the whole episode drinking? Like, because this movie, we really should have been drinking scotch, but we did not. I, but, like, if we get Patrick Dempsey as a main character for the next episode, I think that's our punishment. No, no, no. No, not, yeah? not this yeah. not this time. Not this time. I will agree to that, but I'm going to have that policy set at a later date because I'm I'm rolling my roulette ball for Enchanted. Okay. Because I don't think that should be done drunk. I think we can have a soberly good discussion about that. But Okay. Well, how about this? If it has Patrick Dempsey in it but it's not Enchanted, can we start the rule now? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's uh randomize it up. <laughs> Um, I get to pick a number. Oh, wait, no, you picked 68 black. Let's see what 68, uh, 68 60, black. Yeah. Set it up. Uh, okay. Netflix rom-com, set it up with oh. Zoe Dutch. Uh, Zoe Dutch, any way related to Zoe Deschanel? No, Zoe no? Dutch okay. is... Uh, I Does she always help you pay for dinner? No. Oh. Maybe she should. And she says, I'm going to go Dutch this time. It's like, you're always doing that. So I think she's Elizabeth. I want to say she's Elizabeth Shue's daughter. All right. Now I'm going to look it up. Lee Thompson. Lee Thompson. I got it mixed up. Lee Thompson from Back to the Future. Part two. Part two. Elizabeth Shue was in other movies around that time. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth Shue, that I got you confused with Leah Thompson, but you're both foxy, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well. It's Netflix a, rom-com. It's a Netflix. This is our it's second. It's a Netflix rom-com. This is a second Netflix rom-com. Yeah, and we're we're laying the landscape of what makes a good or bad Netflix rom-com. So right. the, the, the curve right now is Netflix, I'm gonna I'm going to also throw Amazon on there, because Amazon Studios is doing stuff, too, and I feel like, like, do you think they have more prestige? 
Amazon is throwing more money at these movies. Yeah, like a like our um... Netflix is making literally like they've probably got up to a few dozen rom coms at the least, and Amazon's got like five. Okay, so they're going for quantity rather than quality. Yeah, there. yeah, okay. but but I I think you can you can be a machine and churn them out and make some good ones. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, but let's... every once in a while, yeah. Zoe Dutch. Zoe Dutch. Hot damn. Hot damn. All right. Well, Ryan, I love you so much more than this movie. I love you. The I, I love Valentine's Day more than this movie. I love you. I don't you. know how that happened. I love you the same amount as I would love Kevin McKidd. I'm done with my Scottish accent. <laughs> Can I do it again? Bye. Bye. So long. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms.